שנים לשידור ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשיירס. כל רמה 1023 מלישים, קיץ באוויר. רדיו קול רמה 102.3 FM. כל רמה 1023 FM מרגישים קיץ באוויר, ושבת, July 4th weekend. Last night we had a great, great concert. I'm sure some of you uh, I know were listening at home as we were broadcasting it live. I want to give a shout out to our great, great friend and radio manager and director, Yaniv Marizovsky, who set up that whole remote broadcast. That was great. If you're hearing this, you're listening to our podcast on callramad.us. Very Happy to be here today. I am Mitch Mernick, your host. We're here with a Sevet Chinuch member, Alex Eisen. Yes. And uh, I've known Alex for a couple of summers now, and I've really wanted to get you down here into our Upan, into our studio at Korama, because I, I always thought you were an interesting guy. And, um, and, uh, meeting you again this year i can attest to that uh, alex th- this is your the second year i've met you on staff here mm-hmm. at machanera you're part of the you're part of the f- foreign staff the the mishlach are you are you part of mishlacha no you're not part of mishlacha but i know you're from sweden right, right. so this is actually um quite a there's a there's a confusion here because I'm half American, half Swedish. I was uh, raised in Sweden. And um, so technically, I'm uh, part of the Mishlachat, but I'm also part of uh, the Chinuch team, so uh, the America team. So it's, it's a bit of a split, donal, uh, split personality disorder, if you will. So you're a young guy. Can you tell us how old yes, you are? Yes, 29. So you're 29. So, where were you born, and and how did you end up in Sweden? Ah, so that's a good question. <laughs> um, I was born in Philadelphia, Central Philly, uh, and then we moved when I was a uh, maybe a couple of months old. And my parents decided to move to Sweden because my mom's Swedish, and uh, it was at that point in the nineties a safer place to raise your children. So that's so, why we moved. So your mom is Swedish. Yes, my dad's American. So your dad's American. He meets my mom. Uh, your mom in Philly, yeah. In school or no, at a, at a restaurant. Basically, she was working at a restaurant. And yeah. one thing, let's see, let's see, no, they yeah. get married well, here in the U.S. Yep. And they have a you. Your yeah. Well, they have first my older brother. So I have uh, two brothers plus me, right? And so my old brother comes, and then I come, and then they decide to move to Sweden. So how old were you when you made that move? I would say three months, maybe. Oh, okay. So you really didn't know what was flying no. then. No. I, yeah. Enough to get a passport, right? Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> As they say. So, okay, so you grew up in Sweden. Yes, That's more the or less. Point. Yeah, yeah. And... You, so your dad is American, so he, he works in Sweden? Or? Yes, yes. So uh, my entire immediate family still lives in Sweden. 
and I have, uh, you know, a uh, grandmother, uh, nephews here and there, and cousins, uh, uncles that live in all live close to Philly. So, what kind of work does your dad do? Or did he do? Mm, good question. <laughs> My dad uh, does consulting. Uh, he does leadership or an organization, and. Um, does a lot of uh, you would what you would, I guess you what you would call sort of CEO coaching and uh, life coaching as well. And what does your mom? Does your mom work? So my mom works. Yes, my mom works uh, actually um, as the, the head of the district um, of um, how would you say that? How would you translate this? Uh, um, preemptive care, so for youth. Meaning it could be anything from uh, sexual prevention to, to, to psychological problems. That so have. kind of youth at risk. Sort of, yes. But it also it's a service that everyone can get as a, as a young I person. See. In so Sweden, it's part Sweden, of the right. social yeah, network. Ex- exactly. Social. social benefits. So. All right, so you're growing up in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And and we're in Sweden. So in Stockholm, so that's the capital. So that's a big city. Yeah. Probably the biggest city. Yeah, it's a big city. Uh, but I always say that um, Stockholm is a is a metropolitan city, but with a small town mentality. Now you're a young man, mm-hmm. and you're you're an observant Jew, yeah, which well. we you know I'm sure we'll get to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, what was your life like? Did you go to the public schools? Did you go to yeshiva? Uh, so they don't really have a yeshiva in that way in Sweden. I would say that most people go to the only Jewish day school that exists. Uh, most Jews would be doing that. But I didn't, so I did went to public school. Uh, more based off where we were living, and, and both my older and younger brother went to this Jewish school. You could opt in to go in there, right? You could apply. But I decided I had so good teachers already that it wouldn't make much of a difference. So, um, sort of my context, if you will, is a secular context, more normative Swedish secular context. Kind of very much like here but your two older brothers went to jewish right right which is not a it's not a yeshiva model it's still modeled still has to be very strictly under the model of the swedish uh state school but your parents decided to send them to the jewish because they wanted to school because your parents wanted them to go because they wanted to go. Yeah, but they're kids. When do you start these schools? First grade, second grade, fifth grade? What do the kids know? It's the parents decided. I'm right. Sorry, you don't have kids. I have kids. Right, right. I mean... But both of them started in seventh grade. So they didn't They didn't start in first grade. Well, that's interesting. So a seventh grade, a, a kid going yeah. to seventh grade who's already been in the public school system, yeah. has yeah. all his friends, all of a sudden they say, I want to go to Jewish right. school. I will tell you that often it's the other way around. Right, right, for sure. And uh, that's what I find to be quite interesting, that they chose at, you know, at grade six or seven to opt into a Jewish school for some reason. Now, I haven't asked them why, why I, but I'm assuming 
it's because of social elements, right? We went to this one Jewish summer camp that we have in, in, in Stockholm, Sweden, and then everyone, every Jew goes there, basically. And you get to know them, and you, you know, some of them go to this school or that school, the Jewish school, some of them don't at all. So in order to get closer to that, I guess, people sort of opt in and opt out, and also the parents think it's important. So that their children get some type of Jewish education. You're telling me that almost all the Jewish kids in Stockholm or Sweden end up going to this one no, Jewish... We summer? only have one. We so, have, well, we have two. So you have one to six, and then it changes from one to six to seven to nine. But you're telling me that most of the kids do go there. They don't go... That's that's a, an interesting right. fact. So, so most... Is that... To the Jews in Stockholm or the Jews in Sweden in general? No, I, I would say definitely the Jews in a lot of... So, now we're going to hit into to current issues. Okay. Right? So, so there is a decline in attendance of numbers of Jews in those type of schools because of security concerns, right? And because their parents don't want to put them in the school where uh, you have to be behind blaster doors, Basically, and so you have some decline in upper schooling, like seven to nine, people that don't want their children to, in those type of schools because it is because that school is an attempt to mix. So that school, the way the way it's different, is that you would have only a wing of Jewish classes, say from. Um, 6A to 6F, right? So you would have a couple of classes, and then you would have on the other side of the on the other side of the uh, the school, which is still sort of mixed, right? You would have regular public school and because of you you trying to leave it open. Oh, sorry, you're trying to leave it open. Um, it, some would say it hasn't worked that well that effort like it used to like my bro both of my brothers went to that school before there were many issues what do you mean it hasn't worked that well what hasn't worked that well <sighs> so you had instances of uh, people spraying uh, Nazi uh, graffiti on the doors of that school for example and and integration issues so I I've got uh friends from Norway we've spoken a bit and and I know there are difficult times right now mm -hmm. with uh, anti-semitism in Norway and is this similar in Sweden now uh, so I want to juxtaposition it in in two ways yes we have an issue there's definitely an issue of anti-semitism um, but I would say that Stockholm is still one of the safer places to be in Sweden. I would say they're definitely worse places to be. Sorry. <coughs> um, worser towns to be, quite frankly. I mean, just a, as a proof to testament, right? Um, I walk around with my tits out. Covering most of the jacket, but still out enough, right? And visibly Jewish, right? And I don't really get any flack, at least in Stockholm. Which also because I know where to go, where not to go, right? Um, 
but I don't. I still don't think that wouldn't. That, uh, it wouldn't be that much of an issue in Stockholm. Now, in other cities, it might be actual an actual issue. So I th I don't think we're sort of crisis mode in Stockholm, but I think that people are prepared for that. And I think that's good and bad. You know, some in some way. Is there a lot of Aliyah now from Sweden? I would say like this. So some people make Aliyah, and for understandable reasons. Uh, but most people move from the less livable cities to the more livable cities. So a lot of them would be moving to, from these cities, say Malmö, one of the examples that you hear about in the news, to Stockholm, or to other towns with Jewish populations, like Lund, Göteborg. Um, but most moved to Stockholm because it's a bigger community. There's there's a bigger, so to say, quote unquote, there's a bigger hope for to build anything with Judaism uh, in Stockholm, and that's for several reasons. Because there is a bigger push now to have more educational institutions, to have more cultural institutions in Stockholm. Uh, tell about Jewish subjects, whether it be textual, whether it be cultural, her, you know, heritage. But there's a bigger, there's, I, I see a larger attempt at understanding at least in Stockholm. So you're, you're at home, your parents, were they, um, were they observant? No. So I would say in the American sense, I would say yes, observant, um, but not at the same time, not observant. Do you know what I mean? No. So I would say baseline observance of, of uh, holidays here and there, right? The most formative holidays. Uh, but then after that, we're sort of, you know, you be Jewish in your way, right? And if you don't want to be Jewish, that's also a choice. More of a cultural identity, I think. Both your parents Jewish? No. So, okay, so you, mm. so you grow up. Mm -hmm. You 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 end up in in the Jewish. Your brothers end up in the Jewish school right. system. Right. So, right. definitely a Jewish family. Right. And you complete your education in the public school system. Mm -hmm. All right, so then how do you end up here at Camp Ramah with tzitzes and yes. a suit and a hat on yeah, Shabbos? you know, that's a long journey. A long, and, all right, and that's a good it's, answer. It's a very, <laughs> you know, uh, that's the short answer, right? <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, in, in Swedish we have this saying called Monga Bekka Shmo, which is basically a lot of small rivers make a bigger river. There's probably a saying this in for English, but but I, I just just lost it basically. Um, so I would say that's a gradual uh, evolution, and I would say that it's a mix between learning a lot more and being enthusiastic. I think that uh, both of my brothers um, are very 
unique individuals and very Jewish in their own way. And I just chose to be a Jewish person in a different way. I mean, perhaps more of a classical religious manner, right? So, but I would say that, you know, Israel definitely had an influence in shaping my identity and uh, going to JTS for two years. Learning about Chinuch, and, and uh, that's how I basically got in touch with Camp Ramah. So that's interesting. So, so at some point in Sweden, you decide you want to continue your post-baccalaureate studies in, or post-college or during college. Right. You wanted to continue some serious Judaic studies and you end up at JTS. Yes. In the exactly. education program yes, there. Yes, yes. So I ended up there. And um, I, you know, I wanted to take it easy for the first year of the studies. And I decided, well, you know, this summer I don't have as much on my platter, right? As, as, as it commonly is at a MA degree, right? Uh, so I decided, well, you know what? I want to test my mettle. I want to see if what I've learned actually can be played out in reality and so I decided what better place than Kamprama and also I was recommended Berkshires because my rabbi Rabbi Uteshteo came here for one year I guess and a lot of the rabbis that I know at JTS said this is the place to be so that sort of angled me in this direction you know um I'm going to ask you some personal questions. I hope you don't mind. You you grew up Go for it. in an interfaith family. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to assume your dad is Jewish, your mom is not Jewish. Right. Yes, that's the right assumption. So often, uh, when that happens, you know, one concern, you know, the kids mm-hmm. then do not pursue and right. end up identifying as Jews. That's not always true, obviously, right. but... <laughs> But it's true a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here, not only... I mean, you, your family kind of bucked that trend. Not only... Yeah. I mean, you have three... There's three brothers in this family. Right. All not identified as Jews. All Judaic education. Right, right. Uh, well, they, one in... They all received chinuch. They, they all received the classical Jewish chinuch. Right? In that sense. Now, I wouldn't say that they, all of them identify as Jewish, necessarily. Um, I would say that my older brother identifies as a Buddhist. And it's pretty cool to see him growing into that. As I say, as a, as a religious person, it's pretty cool. Well, he didn't invent that no. Jew-boo no. thing. Uh, no, no, no. You know that. But the, okay, that's interesting. But, but that's it's, interesting. So it's a different pathway, right? But yeah. it, it's, it's, for me, it's an expression of someone that wants a deeper connection with something religious in them, which is cool. My younger brother plays soccer. He's very much involved in this world. Um, but he, I, if I asked him, and I asked him before, do you consider yourself Jewish? The, 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 there, was no, there was no doubt. That he, uh, yeah, did. he is, yes. There's, there's no doubt. And that makes, makes me proud of a person that I don't see that much uh, um, active participation in. So that then, uh, that's what I would say 
my family did well was build a very solid sort of social cultural Jewish background, which is basic the basis of Jewish identity. So, how did you you know how did your mom and dad negotiate this? Uh, this is an interesting negotiation. So my mom didn't really care. Like my mom isn't really religious in that sense, right? In America, it's it's much more of an issue because people are actually more religious in that sense. Even the Protestant Christians in the U.S. that are so quote unquote of their social order, right? They they don't care much for the religion, but they're still religious in the sense. In Sweden. It's much more about it's much more about the social cultural fabric. So people aren't really believers in a way. So to negotiate isn't really an issue, many times, right? Um, some you know negotiated. Well, we'll we'll leave this out. We'll leave this out. Um, we don't. So like a, a classic negotiation, and my dad told told me about this. So, well, you need to, I would want to celebrate Christmas, right? And this is a very, like, split, hot topic in the U.S. also, right? Amongst Jews. Yes. Uh, so the, the sort of uh, compromise was no Jesus. <laughs> bleed, bleed Jesus in, in Christmas. And then, you know, it sort of becomes this, what it is in America, actually more of a celebration of gift giving and, and now I myself probably would have not even agreed upon that and that's my show of the whole thing but I admire the the attempt and often it actually was my mom that got us celebrating even the Jewish holidays which is very common and I talked to a lot of rabbis about this and that the other side is one the pushing for the keeping of traditions. And I think, having, you know, spent a lot of time with my mom, is that, and looking at Swedish society, I think it has a trend towards sort of traditionalism. Meaning, if the statement is, this is what we've done in our society always, and this is what we feel comfortable with. So as long as you get something into that, if you get a tradition into that, way of thinking it will be automatically never negotiable so I think that's sort of like my mom got used to doing these things my mom lived in the US with my dad and got used to Pesach and got used to you know doing uh, latkes on Hanukkah and like Jewish culture like Jewish culture is, per is permeated the American culture in a very completely different way there's no question. Uh, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying. It, it's easy to take that for granted living right. here, but when you watch television right. here, or see or watch movies, and you see right. uh, and hear how Jewish culture right. is infiltrated our culture, it's really quite right. remarkable. Yes, um, it's so, a blessing yeah. even in the sense because you don't have to deal with. 
Well, there's so many automated assumptions that you can be running with in society with with anyone, which is quite interesting. It it, it is remarkable uh, that we're living in an age where uh, Jewish uh, culture is. I guess part of it is uh, because it's portrayed uh, by people who work in Hollywood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jewish culture is definitely out there when you watch right. TV and so on. And and we're definitely right. in a in a time when um, Jews uh, look. There's plenty of anti-Semitism right. always. Yes. Don't get me wrong, but certainly, uh, for, especially for us who live mm-hmm. in the New York uh, mm-hmm. metropolitan area. Uh, you know, uh, there's a. It's actually come a point where people who, young adults who are not Jewish, uh, mm-hmm. don't aren't put off by the fact of marrying a Jew. In right. other words, so so that's that's an interesting, wonderful time. On the other right. hand, it leads to other issues things. regarding uh, Inter- interfaith, interfaith marriage yeah. and marriages, uh, the good, the bad. Right, right. How, how does one uh, the complexities? How does one navigate mm-hmm. those uh, waters, right. the complexity, right. the complexity? Uh, that's going to be a topic of another's podcast. <laughs> cool. But so here you are yeah. in Camp Ramam, yeah. part of the Chinook staff. You're yeah. getting your, your own education up at JTS mm-hmm. in, in Masters. You're here teaching mm-hmm. the kids. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you feel that the fact that you're from... You're the only staff member, I think, this year, right now, on Chinook staff from Sweden. Do you bring something special to the table, or is that just... It really wouldn't matter if you were from one of the people from England or one of the many Mishlachat from Israel. It wouldn't right. matter. Right. I... Hmm. That's a good question. Because I think that, uh, I mean, apart from, I would say, apart from the British... Uh, what I think both me and the British people bring is the European perspective on Judaism. And uh, I think uh, there's a conser- con- considerable effort in, in Sweden, I know, but also like uh, other. In Sweden, we have an institution called Paideia. And that the sole reason for that institution's existence is to promote pan European. Jewish identity after the Shoah, right? And I think there's a reason why it started in Sweden and not somewhere else, right? That has a significant, like Great Britain has a significant Jewish populace, right? You don't really need to make connections to survive. So I think what's interesting is bringing you know, back these old sichot, right? These conversations that you had in Europe, uh, you know, 17th, 18th, 19th century discussions, and sort of bringing it to the, these American, young American Americans, and say, did you ever think about that the way you're thinking about these issues might be similar, or even might completely identify with one of these other thinkers in time like you're not alone uh, for example I'm thinking about Baruch Spinoza <clears throat> like a lot of modern people 
have very rightfully so uh, a heavy skeptical tint towards religiosity or religion as a concept in general and I would say that Baruch Spinoza even more so than most and I think that, that maybe they, if they could identify and learn about what was happening in Europe or in European Judaism, the history of it, the social cultural history, right, and how it affected the Jewish populace, they might have greater insights actually even about their own lives and about their own mix, right? The conservative, conservative Judaism is not, is, well, conservative Judaism now is Americanism, right? But it used to be, it started in Europe uh, and got, basically came to America, became the, the big moving force it is today, even under Kamprama and <laughs> all this stuff, and then came back to Europe, right, for the second time. So I think it's interesting to see what can those two communities teach each other, because majority in Europe is different. Than majority in the U.S. How's that? Well, first of all, because you had different um, different societies think differently, right? Like different trends work differently. I European societies tend to be liberal on one side, on, on the one side, but traditional, like to the to a fault in some other countries. It really depends on the country that you're in the Macomb, right? And I think in the U.S., um, it will depend on where you're learning, right? Because my, my, my idea has always been, well, JTS is one place where you learn. Ziegler is a completely different milieu. And people are drawn to different places for different reasons. Um... But I think you sort of get that plurality, I can't even speak, plurality under one roof in Europe. Because you had, there's, so, there's so much history um, and so many great thinkers to learn about. Um, and I think you miss out a lot on that. If you cut out that context. Um, but it takes, you know, it, you have to be willing to be, you know, willing to stick with it, I think. And I think that's the biggest challenge. So do the kids uh, ask you about Sweden? Do you think they understand where you're trying to come from on this? Do you think they understand that you grew up, in a sense, really differently from them? Hmm. That is a very good question. I think most of the kids think it's very different than I'm from Sweden, and hence it's cool <laughs> for some reason, right? Uh, it's different, and I do get questions of, you know, so how is it to live in Sweden? Uh, Anti-Semitism is a very prevalent question, because, I mean, having lived in the U.S. before, right? I, it, it is a very prevalent question that is on the American Jewish mind, always. So it's not a strange question for me to get, but it's a very common one. And I think 
like the questions you just asked me, Alia, is that a um, common thing? Antisemitism, these type of questions, they all ask me. So, I mean, other things as well, like pol political things, because the thing that they know about Sweden is that, that Sweden is a socialist country. Uh, now, that's not completely 100% true, but uh, I would say it's a mix between socialist and market economy. All socialisms are a mix nowadays between capitalism and socialism. Um, but I would say a common question I get is gun control. Because there are well, people. That's a hot topic yeah. today, of course. Uh, because in Sweden. Gun regulation has not been an issue because we don't have that in our, uh, what's it called? Constitution. It's not a right in our Constitution, and therefore only police have a monopoly on violence. In Sweden, then that's how that will work in Sweden. Now, I, I present the things as they work in different countries, and some of, some of the things work because few people. I guess, like it's 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 a matter of population density. So it sounds like you you bring your background to your education to yes. your teaching here, Alex Eisen. I really appreciate you joining us here today on Call Rama, and um, I'm I'm sure there are so many avenues to explore further. Um, I know you're busy, and uh, we have our Arab Shabbat programming coming up on uh, Korama, and I hope uh, those uh, of you listening at home will will check out Korama.us for this podcast, as well as many other interesting podcasts and live performances that are that have been done during the summer. Alpayam Uchasrei. And uh, prior summers, but in any case, Alex Eisen, thank you very much for joining us for this podcast on Radio Korama. This is Mitch Mernick. Thank you. And, and, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Radio Kolama, Meo Stein, Kudashelosh FM.